Amen. Amen. And as you're seating, grab your Bibles, turn them to 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're going to start in verse 14 this morning, kind of where Brother Blake left off last week. And so we're excited you're here this morning. Again, we're uh, excited for our graduates and congratulations to them. And man, just that, it's a lot of uh, hard work through the years. It's been several years I've been there, but and that's a lot of good work. And so we're proud of our our students and uh, just their uh, gifts and talents. And as you can see, Kaylee, she's multi-gifted. She can find the, the offering plates. And so we're excited this morning, glad to have them in the ways that they serve here in our church. And so we're excited on where God's going to send them to the workplace and to the, the schools and different places, and he will use them abundantly. And so Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 14 through 26, and the title of our message this morning is Useful to the master. And so if you've got one of those sheets, children, uh, that would be a good place for you to write down a title, Useful to the Master. And uh, we don't have a PowerPoint presentation this morning. I told Lindsay this morning I didn't have a PowerPoint, but Paul had many, for, uh, many powerful points. And so we're just going to go with that this morning. Paul's going to be our PowerPoints this morning. And so our main point, as we look at this scripture, we are called to be useful to the master by being a diligent worker a clean vessel, and a faithful servant. Let me write that down again, or you can write it down as I say it. We are called to be useful to the master by being a diligent worker, a clean vessel, and a faithful servant. And so we're going to look here at this this morning, and as Brother Blake has been preaching through that, and just the continued words of Paul as he's encouraging young Timothy here. And to be a useful uh, to our master or just useful in general, you kind of got to know what your assignment is, right? You got to know what your purpose is, in other words, to know really what you need to accomplish. And so that's what we need to know here. And then you need to know how to do that, how to accomplish that assignment or that task or that purpose in which God has given. And so this morning, that's what we're going to do. We're going to continue to look at what Paul has told Timothy, the instructions on how to accomplish this task, to accomplish this assignment that he's been given to continue on in the faith and continue on in discipling others. And so remember here as we're looking at this, uh, Paul is writing here. Kind of remember what's going on, why he's writing, and who he's writing to. The Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy from where? From a prison, right? And so there in Rome as he's awaiting his death, he's not awaiting a trial. He's not waiting uh, for them to maybe let him go. But Paul knows that his days are limited. He knows that he is awaiting his death. And he knows that his ministry is coming to an end. He knows that his opportunities here, the mission that God has sent him to do, is coming to an end. But the good news is that Paul knows that the mission is not coming to an end, is it? The worker may change, but the work goes on. And that's what Paul here, he is reminded of, and he's reminding young Timothy to continue on in what he has been learning, continue on in what Paul has been encouraging and strengthening him with, those words. And so Paul here, as we look at him, he's just faithful to continue on to the very end, to the end of the work that the Lord has set in front of him to accomplish that work. And he's also equipping Timothy here to continue on in that fight of the faith. And I love that verse in Mark chapter 1, verse 1. It says, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I got to share that with a, a school group the other day, and I'm reminded, and I love that, because nowhere in the Bible do you ever read the end of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul knew that. Paul knew his end was coming to an end, 
His life was coming to an end. His ministry was. But the good news of Jesus Christ was not. And so as long as the Lord tarries, as long as the Lord allows us to continue on here at earth, then we have business to do, right? And that's what Paul is encouraging Timothy. He says it's going to be hard. There's going to be some trials, tribulations, persecutions, but you need to be faithful. And so he continues to point him in that. So I want to ask you this morning as we start, are you being faithful in that ministry? Who is your Timothy? Who are you pouring into? Who are you discipling? Who are you helping to grow in the word of the Lord? And maybe who is your Paul? I think, again, that discipleship calls for both ways, somebody to be pouring into somebody else and somebody to be pouring into us. So I encourage you to have that. Paul here, he makes the most of every moment. He knows his time is limited. He knows that his days are drawing near. But even in jail, even in that prison cell, he takes those moments to continue to pour into Timothy. In Psalm chapter 90, verse 12, it says, So teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. And Paul has that heart of wisdom. He knows here his mission and his ministry. And so we're going to look at three things here to be useful to the master. We're going to look at three different points. I believe it's shared here by Paul. He says the first one is to be a diligent worker, to be a diligent worker. So look in your text here at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14. Paul says, remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good but only ruins the hearers. Again, here, Paul here, he says, remind them. Well, who's the them? Who is Paul telling Timothy to remind? Well, if you go back and look, and Brother Blake covered it last week here, but he says to remind those faithful brothers, those who you're discipling, those faithful men who will preach and teach and lead others. And Paul uses this word remind here as a verb. He uses it kind of an ongoing thing, an ongoing task. Why do they need to be reminded? I think Timothy probably had heard these stories as we talked about. He would known them from his youth and all the way up, his mother and his grandmother. But he needed to be reminded, right? Because ministry is hard at times. It's challenging work. And Paul knows that just as he had faced many trials and tribulations and persecutions, he knew that Timothy would too. And he needed to be reminded of the truth of God's word. And that's why he uses here the analogies back. If you look in, in chapter um, that previous part there in verses 4 through 6, he uses the analogy of the soldier, the athlete, and the farmer. And these guys, they know about courage. They know about obedience. They know about perseverance, sacrifice, persistence, dedication, patience. And so Paul here, he's continuing to point Timothy back to some of these things that he knows to continue on in that good work. And so Paul says to remind them of these things. So what things is he reminding them of? Well, again, look back at that scripture there a little bit before this. He's reminded them that God's word is not bound. That's good news. In it. Hebrews talks about the word is alive and active, right? We, they, even Satan can't bind the word of God. It is going forth. And so we're thankful for that. Paul reminds Timothy there. He says that salvation is in Christ Jesus alone. And that's why he said there in verse 8, he says, remember Jesus Christ. Man, if all else fails, just go back and remember Jesus Christ, his, his life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. I think over in Corinthians he talks about he vowed to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And so he says, remember Christ alone. Be reminded of eternal life that is with him. That is our reward, right? Here's Christians. And he also was reminded that he is faithful. In verse 13, he just reminds Timothy here, 
that even though we may be faithless, God remains faithful. And he can count on that in his ministry. And man, as you look over that, wow. Say, that's the same promises that we have today also, right? That ought to stir our pot a little bit and encourage us to go out and share that good news with others. That's what Paul's doing. He is completing this task and encouraging Timothy. And Paul's assignment here is to remind them, but he also does a part of uh, to charge them. Look back at verse 14. Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of God. And Paul tells Timothy, he says, listen, Timothy, speak with authority because you can base that on God's truth, God's word, and you need to speak with authority as you share. Timothy, just stick to biblical preaching and teaching, not your opinions, not your thoughts. It's not about making, feel good, uh, making people feel good, not about what you say or what you want them uh, to understand or hear, but to make them to understand what God says. And he says in verse 15, do your best to present yourself. Why? Timothy is to fulfill his assignment to be a good pastor here. He must be zealous and he must be diligent in his labor to pursue God's approval. It's not about looking good or sounding good before people. And to be honest, sometimes we get more caught up in that. We want the applause or approval of man. But here Timothy is reminded by Paul it's about God's approval. We are to share and proclaim God's word accurately for his approval. Are we doing that? Again, that's our importance of why we study God's word. We hear God's word. We come together to encourage and strengthen one another by that. And one does that by rightly handling the word of God. The pastor here is to be a hard worker for the Lord, and his tool is the word of God. I like how Warren Wiersbe says, he says, The preacher and teacher who uses the word correctly will build their church the way God wants it to be built. But a sloppy worker will handle God's word deceitfully in order to make it say what he wants it to say. Friends, we need not to tell our opinions or our thoughts, but we need to share faithfully the word of God and rightly handle it. Some translations say rightly dividing. And it kind of refers to a carpenter uh, accurately cutting or straightly cutting his board or a farmer plowing a straight furrow for his crops. And so it just kind of helps us to understand that urgency of the precision in showing and teaching God's Word. Imagine this summer. we got some that's going to Changers. Imagine this summer if we show up in Changers and our crew chiefs say, Look, we've been doing it this way, but this year don't worry about bringing your tape measure. We're not worried about cutting the board straight or having the right measurements. We're just going to slap it together and see what happens, see how that works out. I don't think that's going to go real well, does it? Danny Halls might do that sometimes, but that's not our goal, right? And so we want to be faithful to cut those boards straight. They need to go in a certain place and work for a certain purpose. Think about it like this. Maybe you're a farmer. He says they're about plowing a, a straight furrow. What about Blake Edwards? If he decides to plant corn this year and he goes out there in the field and says, man, I just want to drive around in circles just wherever I see fit, man, just have at it and go around. You think that's going to work out too good later on? Probably not, is it? And so that helps us to kind of understand here. The same is true with God's Word. We need to properly apply it, properly understand it, 
Because if we don't, man, that, that can be disastrous. And that's what Paul's helping Timothy to understand, to rightly divide the Word of God. And so let me encourage you this morning as a church, Greensburg Baptist Church, to be praying daily for a group of men and women, for Ronald Curry, for Cheryl Kelly, Charlie Allen, Tony Jewell, and Adam Scott as they serve on our search committee and they seek direction for the man who will fulfill this assignment here for Greensburg Baptist Church. And I hope and see, as Paul here sharing to Timothy, and as we're studying this morning, it's no small matter, is it? This is a weighty text. It's a weighty assignment for that man to be a worker of the word. And that's what Paul here, he's using his last words, his last moments, his last ink, his last opportunities to write this down, to charge Timothy, to say, listen, charge others. Charge yourself, charge those that you're teaching, charge us today to be diligent in our study of the word, to stay true to the word, to stand firm in the word, and to state the word correctly to the world. They don't need to hear our opinions and our thoughts. God's word is the only one that can do that work. And so he's just continuing to remind Paul of that. And then Paul also says to be part uh, of being a diligent worker is to avoid some things. Look back here in verse 16. But avoid irreverent babble, for it will lead people into more and more ungodliness. And their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, who have swerved from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already happened. They are upsetting the faith of some. And Paul here, he's saying to Timothy, avoid false doctrine. Avoid false teachings. Don't get caught up in those things. Stay away from them. And later on, as you're going to see here, in a, maybe in a couple of weeks here, 2 Timothy chapter 4, he, he gives a little bit more of this. In verse 3 through 5, he says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. But as for you, Paul says, Timothy, you stand firm. He says, as for you, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist and fulfill your ministry. Again, Paul knows the trials, the tribulations, the temptations. And he knows that Timothy is young and may face some of these things, same things. He may face some of these times that it's easier to please people, easier to go along with what uh, the world is saying than to be persecuted. But Paul says at all costs, avoid that. Flee, run. Does that sound much like our world today? People like to hear what makes them feel good. You ever hear that statement, just do you? What in the world? Man, we can't even follow our own hearts. They'll lead us in their own path. But Paul here is telling Timothy, remind them of God's word, straightly, rightly dividing it. Paul tells Timothy that that kind of teaching is dangerous and it's infectious, and it will devour you and all those who listen to it. And he uses a very vivid illustration here of gangrene eating away at the flesh. That's about a nasty and gross way, but if you think about it, that's what false teaching does. Man, it eats away at people. And leads them down a path of destruction and death. And Paul calls out a couple of men here who have uh, been teaching those false teachings. 
those false things, Hymenaeus and Philetus, they didn't make it into the heroes of the faith section, didn't they? Paul calls them out here and says, man, they've been teaching the wrong things. And we don't know much about the Philetus fella, but Hymenaeus is mentioned back in chapter 1, verse 20, and says, Paul puts him out of the church. It says, whom I've handed over to Satan. And just like treating gangrene, sometimes you have to go to extreme measures to protect the rest of the body. And Paul doesn't want that false teaching, those lies, those deceptions to spill over into the church. And he puts it out. He puts Hymenaeus out. Because they were teaching that the resurrection has already happened. And the Bible clearly states that the physical there is a physical resurrection. I don't know exactly here as I studied. Some of them mentioned that maybe they were teaching that the resurrection was just a spiritual thing, not necessarily a physical thing. But Jesus has promised us that one day he will return for us. I believe our bodies also, and he will raise us to a new body. And I think that's what, again, here Paul talks about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. He says the dead in Christ will rise. And so, again, second, if the resurrection's already happened, then what hope do we have here, really? I mean, we should just live life however we want to, do whatever feels good, enjoy those sinful passions that you have, right? It don't really matter. But that is not biblical teaching. And Paul's reminding Timothy of that. So he says to be useful to the master, you need to be a diligent worker, studier of the word, rightly dividing it. But also, secondly, he says you must be a clean vessel. So look back at, at chapter 2, verse 19 through 21. Paul says, But God's firm foundation stands, bearing this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of the Lord depart from iniquity. Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. And Paul uses the illustration here of a great house, and I think he's pointing here to the church, and that it is built upon God's found, firm foundation, and it is sealed by him. And we don't have time to read it today and look through all of it, but if you get a chance, make a note there in your Bible. It's kind of referring back to Numbers chapter 16, where God warns his people to get away from the tents of Korah and those who were rebelling against Moses and Aaron. And it's a pretty neat story. Again, just God displays his glory. God displays his, uh, just his, uh, how would I say, just his uh, over sin, I guess, and just those sinful passions and desires that those people have. And he displays that before his people and truly to show who he is. And Paul kind of is emphasizing that here also of God's sovereignty, but also human's responsibility to live like they belong to the Lord, to depart from the ungodly things. Look at that. It said a while ago there in chapter, uh, in that verse of 19, it says, depart from iniquity. It says in 21, cleanse himself, be ready for every good work. There's a personal responsibility that we all have. God knows those who are his, but also he puts that seal on them, but also we have that responsibility to now to live that out before people and before God. And so John says it this way in 1 John chapter 2, verse 4 through 6, Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, in him truly the love of God is perfected. By this... 
we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. So I want to ask you this morning, does your life display the life of Christ? Are you walking as you ought to walk? Are you walking as he did? I think a lot of times we don't, but that's a great place for us to stop and repent and just ask the Lord to, to help us to, to build us up so that we can walk in the way we ought to walk. And so is there sin in your life here this, mo- this morning which you need to depart from? Paul says then, we will be useful to the Master. Wow. I look at that and I think, man, what a title to bear. Paul says if we'll do these things, then we will be useful to the Master. That's what I hope and pray that the Lord says about me one day. I hope and pray that's what he says about us all, is we're useful vessels. You see, to be a useful vessel, we have to be clean. We have to be available. We have to be sanctified, to be set apart, to be used by the Master. Think about dirty dishes. Does anybody ever have any dirty dishes in their sink? Uh, Sorry, Lindsay. But, yeah, every once in a while we do. We don't get them all washed up. What if you had company coming over to eat? You'd want to wash those dishes, right? You would want to have them ready to be used again. You don't pull them out and say, well, here's some dirty dishes. Let's just eat off of those tonight. We want to be clean, right? And so that's what Paul here, he's saying, man, those clean vessels, that's what God will use, clean vessels. We can't be used when we're filled up, when we're dirty, when we're consumed to the things of this world. And Paul is reminding Timothy of that. And so he says to be a useful to the master, we need to be a diligent worker, a clean vessel, and the last point here, we must be a faithful servant. Look back in the verse 22 through 26. Paul says, So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant controversies. You know that they breed quarrels, and the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, that they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil after being captured by him to do his will. Paul here, he uses uh, the Greek word doulos uh, as servant here, which means to be a slave. As you know, a slave really doesn't have a lot of uh, opinions that they can share. They're under the control of someone else. They're not calling the shots anymore. And so that's what Paul says for young Timothy to be, to be led by the Lord, to be the the Lord's slave. Paul knows also that Timothy is still a young man, probably here at this time, maybe in his 30s, maybe early 40s. But Paul thought it was necessary to caution him against those youthful lusts. And so young people... Graduates, let me encourage you this morning to flee youthful lust. Man, Satan's got a lot of things that he wants to put before you. But let me encourage you here, as Paul does, to flee from those. They are dangerous, and I think Brother Blake read those a while ago in part of his scripture. They're dangerous, they're sinful, and they carry huge consequences. So Paul says, and just as Joseph did in his days, to flee Maybe physically run, get away from there, get out of those things. And then Paul also gives an excellent remedy for those useful lusts. He says not only to flee, right, turn away from those things and turn to something. He says here to pursue righteousness, faith, 
love, and peace. He says, Timothy, you run with all you've got away from sin, and you run with all you've got towards the Lord. And friend, if I, I can't give you any better advice this morning. Our young people, I can't give you any better advice than to flee sin and pursue Christ. Paul here is reminding Timothy of that. And then Paul goes on to say that faithful servants' goal is not to win arguments but to win souls. And so as he talks about here in this text, we may never or should never back down from God's Word, but we should teach it with kindness, patience, gentleness, and with the aim of leading others to God, who alone can grant them repentance. God is the only one who can release them from the snares of the devil. I can remember when I was younger, and some of us, our buddies, and we'd get together and we would set some snares sometimes. I don't know if you've ever done that. I would be highly careful doing that. Uh, but we would set some snares at times to try to trap some coyotes or whatever other varmints we was after. But every once in a while we would accidentally catch something that we didn't aim to. And so the thing about a snare is once an animal's in it, it really can't get out unless somebody else comes along and releases it. And so aren't you glad this morning that God is the one who comes along and releases us from the snares and from the grips of Satan? That's a work that God only himself can do. By the blood that he shed on the cross, Christ delivers us out of the snares, out of the grips, out of the hands, out of the pits of hell, and he places us into his family and into his kingdom of forever. Again, that's kind of talking back and pointing back to that seal he talked about earlier. Man, God places his stamp of seal upon us. And so the reality is, as this text shares, and I think Paul would say also, the reality here that nobody in this room or nobody has ever scored a perfect grade on any of this, have we? As we look back, man, to be a, to be a diligent worker, to be a clean vessel, to be a faithful servant, man, we've all fallen short of that. Paul knew that Timothy would need reminding. Sometimes even daily we need to be reminded of the truth that Christ is the only one who diligently completed the work the Father had sent him to do. He was the only one who was only pure and perfect, clean vessel. And he was the only one who was a faithful servant. And so I wonder here this morning, as we close and as our worship team comes to lead in time of invitation, I wonder today, are you trusting in the sinless life of Jesus Christ? Are you trusting in your own accomplishments? Paul continues to remind Timothy here to go back to Christ, to remember Jesus and what he has done. And then live it out. There is none righteous, no, not one, Paul says in Romans. And then Jesus comes, and later in John he says that no one comes to the Father except through me. So I want to ask you this morning, is Jesus your firm foundation? If not, he can be. If you don't have that seal, that promise upon your life, let me encourage you to make that step this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and you've placed your uh, trust in Christ. But maybe as you look through these and maybe you'd be honest with yourself that there's some areas of this maybe that you're struggling with. Maybe to be a diligent worker. Maybe there's some things in your life as a mother or a father. Maybe as a young person. Maybe that you slacked off in the labor of the word. Maybe you need to repent of those things this morning. Maybe you feel like an unclean vessel that needs cleansing. I think it's what the Father does. He cleanses us and restores us and fills us with the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're here just this morning 
and you've just not been as faithful. Maybe there's some things in your life that you've been pursuing that are sinful and lustful, and maybe you need to make those things right today and turn that over to the Lord. I'd encourage you to do that today and come. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you, God, for your word. We thank you for Paul, who took every opportunity, God, to continue to pour into Timothy, these other faithful men, and ourselves today, even as we continue to read through your word 2,000 years later, God, it is still true and faithful today. God, I pray that each one of us would rightly handle your word, God, not only to uh, proclaim it to the world around us, but just to teach ourselves, Lord, how to live godly lives, to pursue righteousness, and glorify your name. God, I thank you again for your word. May you continue to do the work in us that we can't do ourselves. Lord, we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.